Greetings, listeners. I'm Lance Helgeson, a director with V Auto and host of today's V Auto podcast episode, Rethinking Your Used Vehicle Reconditioning. And I'm here with Mike Boyd, founder of iRecon. It's an online platform that helps dealers manage their used vehicle reconditioning processes more effectively and efficiently. Mike created iRecon after spending years at a Lexus store feeling frustrated that it took so long or cost so much to recondition his used vehicles. Mike's been there and done the work of rethinking reconditioning, and that's why he's here today. Mike, welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me. You bet. You know, years ago, Mike, I worked as a reporter covering car dealers, and let's say maybe 15 years ago, and even back then, dealers complained about how long it took or how much it cost to get their cars reconditioning. And I hear the same thing today. Why is that? When I first got in the business 25 years ago, they complained about it back then. So it's and, an even longer time frame. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's never really ended, right? It's mm -hmm. just when they started selling the first used cars, they're like, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should do something to them to get them retail ready, right? Mm -hmm. And they coined that phrase. The biggest problem is it's just been a black hole of information, right? Hmm. It's not sexy. It's just never has been. I mean, it's sexy to sell cars. Everybody talks about it and pounds their chest when they sell a vehicle. Uh, when you buy the right car and you find a really great place to, you know, get vehicles, that is interesting, right? Because you can correlate, hey, if I own a car, I can sell a car. But it's everything between those two lines, right, of getting that raw material and mm -hmm. getting it finished that they just kind of pushed off to somebody in the uh, back of the building, right? The used car manager or service handled it, but it was just dirty work. And nobody was really paying attention to it? No, nobody. Well, I mean, they always had like, you know, one or two people who held the keys to the castle. And really, that's how it's done still to this day, right? Which is why I'm here and now mm -hmm. part of the auto. Mm -hmm. So those people who held the keys of the castle, they have all the contacts. They are that single point of entry for that information. And they use that as like a suit of armor. I mean, I use that phrase a lot because that's how they insulate their position. Nobody wants to mess with that person, right? Because if that person blows up or that person leaves, what are you left with? You're left with Nothing. the shambles, right? Yeah, because ah. they control the process. And that's the big problem, right? That's the big opportunity. When you look at it the way the market is, I mean, the dealership, it's the dealership's money, right? We're agents for the dealer. Mm -hmm. So the dealer should own that process. They should be able to hone and constantly refine that. And even better yet, be able to move with the market because the market's changed a lot in 25 years. I can attest to that. Yeah. But yet the way we do reconditioning and we control that process really hasn't until recently. Very interesting. Now, in, in terms of the timing of reconditioning, I see numbers from Cox Automotive and others, you know, that say that while dealers may tell you that it gets done in three, four days. Oh, I hear all kinds of numbers. Yeah, and, and that, but the average is actually closer to 10, and the reality might even be more like 14, 15. I really think the reality is more around 13 to 14. Okay. So obviously there's lots of ways to slice data. There's seven days in a week, 24 hours in each day. If I decide not to count two days out of the week, well, that's a big drop in your reconditioning time, right? Because maybe you could do some reconditioning over the weekend, but you choose not to. How, so would a person justify that by saying, well, I don't have anybody here, so I can't count it because it's not really getting worked on? 
I would say it's more an excuse, not a justification in today's market. Okay. The reality is the information is out there. You can find people who want to work and want to do the work. And then it's up to you whether or not you want to allow them to do it. So if you're still doing what you've done every day and every year in the past, you're never going to get better. I look at reconditioning because when people sign up with iRecon, for example, one of the first questions they ask me or even before they sign up is, hey, what will my reconditioning timeline get down to? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a right a normal question. Yep. Yep. And I'm used to getting yep. asked that. My first answer is always the same, and that is whatever you're most capable of achieving. And what I mean by that is I say, hey, look, let, let's be realistic. If you can't click on a keyboard when I ask you what your recon time is, you don't know. And if you don't know, it's around 12 to 14 days. Okay, And that's truly counting seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Okay, There is no yeah. off time because money never sleeps, right? That's right. Why is the dealer, the person with the checkbook, the only person who's concerned about time? The people doing the work. They are your employees, whether indirect or directly, right? So I say, okay, first let's get a baseline. Let's see what you're currently doing, good or bad. Maybe you're doing some really good things, and we only need to tweak a few things. But what I guarantee is by turning on the iRecon program or a good software solution, like any software solution, it brings the evidence to the forefront. It creates that transparency into the process that then you should be able to sit down with all those key players and say, hey, why are we doing it this way? Or, hey, that's really working, but now that we're seeing it, maybe we could do this because the data is saying maybe doing what we would normally do as step two should do that as step one because there's more availability of people. Okay. You follow okay. Me? And I that's do. where a, a good software solution, and really that's across any software solution, it just brings awareness. It creates that transparency. And if you can't track it, you can't control it. I mean, that's just a fact. I hear, I mean, 72 hours. When I got in the business 25 years, I mean, I'm really dating myself. When I got in the business 25 years ago, the goal was 72 hours. And 25 I heard, years ago, it was 72 hours. It was 72 hours. hours. It's okay. been 72 hours. Okay. Yeah, forever. Okay. And I've yet to find in 25 years where the very first person who said that. I mean, I'd really be curious to see that. Now I've seen it requoted, and I've heard it say, you know, this place says this, but if the market, I think we can all agree, the market's changed in 25 years, why hasn't that metric changed? Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Mike, because I've certainly talked to dealers who, you know, velocity guys, mm-hmm. um, who, who certainly understand the cost of money, Right. and that the time is money, I think their goal is 24 hours, generally. Now, their reality is probably a little shy, maybe it's 36 hours, but they actually are beating that age-old 72-hour right. well, benchmark. Well, having said that, now remember, there's a lot of different circumstances, right. and there's a lot of different ways you can recondition a car. I mean, I can get your reconditioning down to one hour, Depending you know, on what you do. Depending on right. what you do, right? Right. right? And how many people you throw right. at the job. And is that really optimizing your spend and your time and your availability? Mm-hmm. So what I don't like is just arbitrarily picking a number. And I have absolutely worked with some dealers, and they've got it down to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And that's great. I mean, they're honed in on it. Like you said, they're velocity dealers. They're hyper-focused on the controllables. And the reality is today, with a good software program and enough attention, it is a controllable 
it's not like it used to be, right? In this day and age, you can't say it's not controllable. Yep. So they're hyper-focused on it, and that's what you should be, right? You should have regular weekly meetings. You should identify the players. You should work with them on their operational efficiency. You know, one of the big tenants we have with the iRecon program is understanding that the vendors, right, the people who do the work, now that's both internally and externally, that we treat them like partners. They're not just somebody, you know, hey, you know, work whenever you want and work around you. It's, hey, look, we depend upon each other. My car to realize true market value has to be clean. It needs to be serviced and it needs to have certain things done so that way you don't tarnish my relationship with my consumer, you don't tarnish my brand, and I can fulfill that velocity model of churning through inventory, right? Buy, sell, and repeat. Rinse and repeat, right? Mm -hmm. And that rinse is the reconditioning Mm -hmm. part. They identify that, they understand it, and then they work on operational efficiency through everybody. Let's make our partners better. That makes them more apt to come to your lot more often. Or if it's your own internal people, it gives you a mechanism to track them and hold them accountable. Because remember, accountability, you know, everybody kind of puts a negative term to that. Really, accountability is just level setting expectations and saying, hey, look, you have all the tools necessary to do your job or raise your hand and tell me you don't. That's a very powerful message because we've never really done that, right? We just complain that service doesn't get our cars through fast enough. We just complain that we don't have enough vendors to get a job done. But there are no mechanisms, at least previously, that pointed it out and allowed both sides of the fence to come together and go, well, the reason I can't get your cars through fast enough is because I can't find them. Hmm. Think about that, right? So that's like with our system, right? That allows... All parties involved, everything from the manager to the salesperson to the vendor and even the consumer, because you have to have all four people to run a profitable dealership, it gives them all access to the information according to what their goal is and how they fit into the overwhelming theme of selling more cars. Consumers want to consume. Most times we stand in their way. So let me go back to something, you know, that the dealer is really, it's it's his or her money that's on the line here. And what we just talked about is a state of mind where you've actually started to rethink reconditioning and approach it from a more collaborative kind of way where you don't have that one individual sort of wrapped in their shroud of the unknown armor. A fiefdom, right? A fiefdom. They own their segment. So where does it start? Thinking back to maybe your time in the Lexus dealership, what does it take? Is it somebody carrying a hammer and just getting it done? You know, I don't think it's necessarily carrying a hammer, even though I absolutely have carried a couple weapons, you know, in my career, so (laughs) to speak, to uh, enforce use. But I think it's more of breaking down the barrier of communication, really talking and engaging with all the parties, you know, if we're talking about the vendor, the people doing the work, or the managers who start the reconditioning plan or whatever, it does take a uh, champion, you know, and I usually identify the general manager because a general manager's job is to protect the owner's interests, right? Right, And manage all aspects of the business side. So you need to have somebody who's saying, hey, look, we're going to enforce use, but very important. I think this really ties into a good software solution that you need to have a solution that is beneficial for all parties. It's not just a measurement tool to measure. It's not. It's a tool that should allow all the parties to be able to self-manage, get better, which if you're a vendor means you're going to do more work, more efficiently, which means you're going to make more money with less physical 
activity. You're not chasing your tail. You're not trying to find cars, right? Yep. yep. So, yes, you need to have a champion, and that champion can change, right? You need to have that pivot person at the very beginning who says, this is what we're going to do, and this is the direction we're going to head, and we're going to get past that pain of adoption. And then when people start to, and this works across, again, all software solutions, and really anytime you change a plan, once people start to see the benefit, your salespeople start to be able to have access to information faster, they can actually answer that car that everybody at the dealership has a problem with, which is, where's my car, Mm -hmm. right? Who Mm -hmm. has it? What's been done? What's left to do? When you start giving them that information that they don't have to jump through a bunch of hurdles to get from a manager, which then frees the manager up to not just be an inventory manager, but actually be able to look more at purchasing cars, at marketing cars, working more deals, being more of a manager, well, now you've really, you're onto something, right? Everybody sees that aha moment Mm -hmm. and they start to see the return on their investment and why they went through that pain and now you've created a process. Let me uh, play devil's advocate for a second, uh, Mike. When I've talked to dealers about reconditioning and, and actually specifically used vehicle managers because they're sometimes the most frustrated, it's finger pointing time. It's pointing at the service director. Oh, yeah, and I've saying, been in those meetings. Yeah. And, and Whoever saying, can yell the loudest wins. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, I okay. think that's the way okay. it works. Okay. I have a little bit of understanding and empathy for the service director because oh, absolutely. They, they have a charge, you know, that says we got to get our customer pay work up. We have to have more paying customers off the street coming in, you know, to help our department. So there's a prioritization problem. And I guess what would your advice or guidance be to dealers who who have a service director that just feels pinched in just that way? You know what, Lance, this is one of my favorite talks I've ever done because you bring up a lot of really great points. So, yes, service managers, service directors, uh, traditionally you see a lot of headbutting and finger-pointing of the used car department or the pre-owned department fighting with service because the pre-owned department says, hey, you're not getting my cars done fast enough and you charge me too much and I'm, you know, I'm on the back burner, everybody's more important than me, yet a lot of times you charge me the same, if not more, than a customer off the mm-hmm. street. Mm-hmm. And then you have service, right, who you're right. They have to worry about consumer pay, customer pay, making sure that you know the bays are always full, there's always work going on. They have a lot of things going on. Again, we'll go back to a good software solution. Whereas one, the first thing I would say is that I, I would challenge the dealership service department and service director to rethink when they say a customer pay. Hmm. Okay. What do you mean? Well, because you have customers, you know, that traditional customer comes off the street, doesn't work for your dealership. It's their money, their checkbook, right? right? But you have a trapped audience, which is part of your family. The actual dealer whose name is on the building, we pay less attention to their money and we squander it trying to pick up pennies from people outside. So that's the same thing as trying to hunt in the neighbor's field when the biggest buck is in your own backyard. Right. That's a good so point. Yeah. we always take because the used car department can be shelved. Right. They understand if you get too busy that you have to reprioritize and they'll wait because they don't have a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they focus on the customer. But what people don't think about, or at least they're starting to think about now, which is great to hear. Right. I'm having a lot of great conversations with dealers and dealer principals is that, hey, look, your money's not free. If it's not making you money, it's losing you money. Every day that car sits and is not retail ready, if you just look at basic math, you're losing money. That 
$300 service repair is now really a $400 service repair because of your loss of time. Now, let's not even take in consideration that consumer, and I think it's like the last time I saw it was like 1.2 physical contacts. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Physical that you'll get, right? So you have basically one shot at getting it right. How many consumers come in and they have one more reason not to buy the car or to wait because the car's not ready? Or it wasn't there for them to look at. Exactly. So, so there's a case of where you might have missed a deal because you didn't have something to offer. And ostensibly, you bought that car because it would appeal to some potential buyer. Right, exactly. Now, one of the benefits, again, of a good software solution, I've absolutely seen this, and I've been in those meetings where it's just a headbutting thing, right? And whoever yells the loudest gets dad's attention or mom's attention and gets some priority set on it. So when you open up the information, and this goes back to the transparency piece, right? And you go to a service manager or service director, they are charged with a lot to do. They really are, they truly are. I mean, and, and really more and more every day, they're the difference between the dealership being profitable and not. That's very true. Okay. So then you take in the uh, pre-owned side, which is a very vital part, always has been, to the bottom line, right? Not only do you have to sell cars, but they recondition a lot of cars, which generates a lot of money, and then finance, you know, all those extra things. When you open up that information and you can sit sit across from a service manager or service director or vice versa, right? They sit across from the manager and say, hey, look, you have 32 cars that need serviced and you only have one or two people doing the work, I can now show you that if they just do their normal day-to-day work at their normal flow-through, they already have 12 days worth of work. That's before we take any trades today or do anything else. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen is because now it's a data play, is that it takes the emotion out of it, and service directors and service managers, they are very acutely aware of time and money. They look at it and go, I have no idea. That's, that's really what I hear. I have no idea. Huh. And then they start to find ways to fill those empty bays, ways to fill the empty bays. So imagine you have a technician who's not doing anything because their next appointment's not in for two hours or whatever the case may be, and you know you have all this pent-up work available. You just redirect it. You're filling that bay. You're also taking some back pressure off your used car department, and everybody wins, and you're turning more hours. Mm-hmm. So you raise a point, uh, I don't know if we'll have time for it in today's podcast, Mike, but um, kind of of standalone teams versus shared reconditioning work, you know, where it's where it's spread amongst the techs and all of that. That seems like a, a rich topic for us to explore. It is. There's a lot of pros and cons, right? The biggest part of it is execution, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen both sides be successful. I've seen both sides fail. The biggest thing is you have to commit to a plan and even better yet, commit to changing the plan if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? Don't just institute a hard, fast rule and then 10 years from now go, maybe we should revisit that because that's how it's been done in the used car market since I got in. Very interesting. Well, let's pick that up topic up on another time. Mike, thank you for, thank you for, 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 for taking me. the time to be with us today and help dealers understand what rethinking used vehicle reconditioning is all about. Folks, that's going to bring us to an end to this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today.